Well, Ezzie Dame's claim to fame was that he was just one of ten original actors that played an Oompa Loompa in the 1971 movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Ezzie's just four feet tall, lives in Reno, Nevada, and he is known in the community as a just as somebody who uh, was this actor and Oompa Loompa, he would tell stories about um, what it was like to be behind the scenes. Uh, as he would, would often host parties and show Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and then allow his new friends to ask him questions about how it was made. And so it was no surprise that in 2004 when Tim Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory came out, uh, the local newspaper wanted to get an interview from Ezzy Dame. And of course, Ezzy Dame was delighted uh, to give his thoughts and opinions uh, on the remake of the film that he had been in so many years earlier, um, as somebody who had been one of the original Oompa Loompas. Well, of course, the story was published, and um, it was spotted by another actor, uh, in a British actor, who actually did play an Oompa Loompa in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And uh, this actor's name was Rusty Joff. And he called and he let the paper know that there were just 10 original actors who played an Oompa Loompa. He was one of them and he never knew Ezzy Dane. And in that moment, a man's story, which he had told very well for over 20 years, and everything he was known for, was revealed as a total lie. And you can imagine the shock of that moment when Rusty Joff said to Ezzy Dame, I never knew you. And in that moment, Ezzy was revealed not as a real Oompa Loompa, but as just another imposter, an Oompa Loompa imposter. And uh, this story reminds me of a scene that Jesus paints here in the conclusion of his Sermon on the Mount. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount this year, and uh, we are in the exciting conclusion right now. Uh, Jesus talked about two roads. A broad road and a narrow road. Last week, he talks about two kinds of prophets, and, and he told us the difference between a true prophet and a false prophet. This week, Jesus now begins to talk about true and false disciples. He begins to describe the difference between a real Christian and an imposter Christian. And he says that many, Jesus says many, are going to come before him, making claims about what they've said and what they've done. You know, I, I prayed that prayer. I went to church. I was raised as in a Christian home. We had the most amazing ministry. Um, let me tell you some of the stories. I brought a big old bag of canned goods. Don't you remember Jesus? I brought two and Jesus cuts through all of that. And he says, I never knew you. I know you said all that. I know you did all that, but it was never real. Can you imagine the shock of that moment? It's a very sobering thought. And I want you to listen to what Jesus has to say. 
right here in uh, Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. If you have your scripture, you can open it up with me. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. These are, are powerful, powerful words about true and false disciples. Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. What a powerful, powerful passage of scripture. Guys, Jesus is warning us here in love about living a life of fake Christianity. Jesus is warning us not to deceive ourselves about the reality of our faith. Um, and so today we're asking this question, what is a real Christian and am I one? And my prayer for you today, if you are here and um, you're assuming you're a Christian, my prayer for you is that number one, you will be confirmed in your confidence. And you'll hear what Jesus says and you will go, you know what, actually, Jesus, I am a real Christian. You'll be confirmed. Or I'm praying that maybe you'll be convicted about your relationship with God and you'll go, you know what, actually, now that I look at this, maybe my relationship with God isn't 100% real. And today, I want to make it real. And the prize at the bottom of the cereal box is that if your faith is real, your salvation is real, hope is real, you can be sure, you can have an assurance of salvation. And that's what Jesus wants for every one of us. And that's why Jesus wants everybody to know about the difference between a real Christian and a fake Christian. And we're not doing this today so that we can judge other people. We're doing this today because we need to hear what Jesus has to say. And we need to ask the most important question of all, and that is, am I a real Christian? Am I saved? So today we just want to look very simply at what Jesus says in this passage about the difference between a real Christian and a fake Christian. What is a real Christian? That's what we're looking at. So let's pray. We'll dive in. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for warning us in advance so that we're not deceived about our faith. And I pray that as we look at your words, Father, I just ask that you would confirm what needs to be confirmed. Convict us where we need to be convicted. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're looking at Jesus's words here. And um, we're really asking, what is a real Christian? And the first thing I want you to see um, as we look at Jesus' words is that it's not just what you say that makes you a real Christian. Now, what you say is actually very important, and we're going to see that. Um, but just saying that you're an Oompa Loompa doesn't make you an Oompa Loompa. And, and you know, anyone can say that they're a Christian. Anybody can say it. Um, you know, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Anybody can say that. And 65% of Americans today are saying they are Christian, but that doesn't necessarily make you one. We all know people who claim to be a Christian, but in reality, it doesn't seem very genuine. 
And so for Jesus, what we're seeing today is that it's not just what you say that makes you a Christian. So take a look, just just high level, a couple of things I want to highlight. Verse 21, Jesus says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord. Verse 22, many will say. So you can see that these are people who are saying all the right things. They're saying, Lord, Lord. They're professing faith in Christ. They're saying that they are Christians. But what does Jesus say? Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these things? And then Jesus says, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. So if we listen to what Jesus is saying, he's saying that there will be people who claim to be Christians who will not enter the kingdom of heaven. It is not just what you say that makes you a Christian. Just because you say it doesn't mean it's real. Don't be deceived. You know, Angie uh, has a younger sister. Her name's Sandy. And when I started dating Angie, Angie was just 15 years old. Uh, We were very young. And uh, Sandy was just 13 years old. So she was... She was really young, Sandy, and um, I would have fun with Sandy, and I tried to get her to believe the craziest things about me, like, I just have four toes, you know, that was one of them, and, and I don't, I have five toes, but, but my favorite is when I had her convinced that I was actually the prince of St. Vincent Island, and she, she really started to believe that, because my last name is Vincent, and there's an island in the Caribbean, St. Vincent Island. I've never been there. I would love to. Um, But as much as she began to be convinced, just because my last name is Vincent doesn't mean I have any connection with St. Vincent Island. And it's the same with our faith. Just because you say you're a Christian doesn't mean that you necessarily have a connection with Jesus Christ. So that's what we're talking about today. We're asking the question, is it real what you say? Guys, is it a big deal to say, Lord, Lord? Um, Jesus says, many will come and they will say, Lord, Lord, is that important? And I would just say, that's huge. That's one of the most important things you can say. Romans 10, 9 declares, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. And so, yes, confess with your mouth. Jesus is Lord. This is one of the earliest confessions of the faith. And you hear how simple it is. Jesus is Lord. And yet you hear the power. Jesus is Lord. See, when we say that Jesus is Lord, we're saying that Above all, Jesus is supreme. He is Lord. He is master. He is sovereign. He is God. We're saying that um, he is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our obedience, right? He's worthy to be served. To say Jesus is Lord means I am not anymore claiming to be the Lord of, of my life. I no longer have defining rights He is Lord. I am not. It's the ultimate surrender of ourselves to the one who is Lord. And that is Jesus. And it's no wonder that Paul will say 
that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because to really say that and mean it takes the power of God. And so, yes, we say Jesus is Lord. Confess, Lord, Lord, that is powerful. That is important. But it doesn't stop there, does it? Because Paul goes on and he says, confess with your mouth. And then he says, believe in your heart. So it's not just the confession of our mouth. He says, um, he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, Christianity is not just a matter of the lips. Christianity is a matter of the heart. It's one of our core values. It's right on, their ba- on our banner. Christianity is a matter of the heart. And so we, Jesus, uh, Paul says, excuse me, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. It means that faith is coming from the heart. Jesus died for my sins. He rose from the dead. And I have new life in Jesus Christ. He is transforming my heart. See, that's, that's real. That's life-changing. And what Jesus is saying is that just saying you're a Christian doesn't necessarily make you a real Christian. It's a work in the heart. It's a transformation of the heart. It's a confession of the mouth and a faith in the heart. So what you say doesn't necessarily make you a real Christian. Number two, Jesus goes on. And it's not just what you do that makes you a real Christian. You're not just a real Christian because you do Christian things. And you're like, are you, seriously? Seriously? Like, is that real? Is that true? And, and I just want to show you guys that for Jesus today, it's not just what you do that makes you a real Christian. This is interesting. Look at what Jesus says next. Matthew 7, 22 through 23. Jesus says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. I mean, this is incredible because these people are doing the most amazing things. They're prophesying in Jesus name. They're casting out demons. They're performing many miracles. And we're looking at that. We're going, if there was anybody who was it, these are the real Christians. They're moving in power. Look at what you're doing. And Jesus just cuts through it all. And he says, away from me. I never knew you. Isn't it amazing? You can have a supernatural ministry and still be outside the kingdom. Just think about that. And so I don't want you to get to heaven and to go, Jesus, Jesus, are you serious? What do you mean? I thought for sure that I was in. I, I was hardly, I hardly ever missed church. I was serving in kids connection. We, we traveled across the world to Transnistria to help orphans. I was a good neighbor. I was a pastor. And Jesus is saying, if, if you think any of those things are going to save you, you are deceived. Do you remember what we talked about um, the last two weeks? We talked about the difference between do versus done. And guys, this is so important. It's why I continue to repeat it. Not only so you understand this, so that you can share the difference with others. It's tangible kingdom. But guys, we are not saved because of what we do. 
We are saved because of what Jesus has done. That's why we're saved. And if you haven't heard anything so far, hear this. Our sins are not erased by our good deeds. But God loves you. And paying the price for our sins, Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead. And the Bible says that everybody who trusts in Jesus alone says, Lord, Lord, believes in their heart that they will be saved. They will have eternal life. And life that's eternal starts today and it lasts forever. That's our hope. See, I was thinking about it. And listen, when I get to heaven, the first thing I'm not going to do is tell Jesus about all the great things I did for him. The very first thing I'm going to do when I get to heaven is I'm going to fall on my face and I'm going to thank Jesus for the one thing that he did for me. See, it's not about what we do. It's about what Jesus has done for us. That's what makes us a real Christian. One of the ways that... um, I've trained leaders over the years is with an image of the starving baker. And um, maybe this can help make it plain. Um, I want you to imagine with me for a second that a new bakery goes up in your neighborhood and you begin to smell, you know, hot donuts or fresh bagels or pastries. And um, one day you finally go into this brand new bakery and it's amazing and you see all the pastries and everything and everybody's loving it and you meet the baker and this baker is the most amazing person and it's like this baker is doing everything the baker's um helping people at the cash register and taking orders and the baker is baking all the food and then wiping all the tables and welcoming the guests the baker's doing everything like wow this is an amazing baker and an amazing bakery so you begin to come back over the next few weeks and you start to notice something. The baker is getting thin. Very, very thin. It almost looks like he's shriveling up. You just begin to ask yourself, I wonder what is going on with the baker. And then it becomes obvious. He's so busy serving food to other people that he hasn't taken the time to simply eat for himself. And isn't it ironic? He's so busy serving bread to everyone else. He never stops to eat anything he serves. He has food all around him. And but, he's, but he's starving. And it's just a reminder that we can do so many things. And still be completely empty inside. And I wonder what would happen if you just stopped. Would you feel empty inside? Because if you begin to feel empty inside, it could be because you're living on what you do, not on what Jesus has done for you. Is it fun to change the world? Oh, it's so fun. Is it awesome to make a difference in people's lives? Is it incredible to go out and do amazing things for God? Absolutely. There's nothing better than serving the living God. And I wouldn't want to give my life to anything else or anything less. We need to remember that that is the fruit of a relationship with God and not the root of a relationship with God. 
Guys, the fruit matters. Fruit is important. Jesus says a good tree produces good fruit. It's proof of life. It's proof you're alive. But it's possible that if you don't have any good fruit, maybe there never was a real root. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying it's not just what you say that makes you a real Christian. And number two, it's, it's not just what you do that makes you a real Christian. People can say and do all kinds of things and still be far from Christ. So what is it? And I want to show you what Jesus says. Jesus is saying that you are a real Christian today because you know Jesus and Jesus knows you. That's how you know it's real. What's the difference between a real Christian and a fake Christian? It's relationship. You know Jesus. Jesus knows you. That is the language of a personal, intimate relationship with Christ. And that's what's real. Listen to what Jesus says. Matthew 7, 21. We'll read it one more time. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father in heaven. That's the fruit. Who does the will. That's the fruit of a relationship with God. What's alive produces fruit. Then Jesus says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly what I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. At the end of the day, just listen to what Jesus has to say at the end of the day, what matters most? And it is very simple. Does Jesus know you? And do you know Jesus? Do you have a personal Relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Is it real at the core of who you are? Um, The Bible says this is eternal life to know Jesus Christ. So what is a real Christian? A real Christian is someone who has a relationship with God. A real Christian is a follower of Jesus Christ. I know Jesus and Jesus knows me. That's what's real. Uh, You guys may not know this. but uh, I am a huge Boston Red Sox fan, and uh, I can already hear all the boos come through the camera right now. I hear you. Uh, this is exactly why I am not telling this story in person. I'm here, fortunately, in the safety of this sanctuary. No one else is around to hear this. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I really do have to be careful wearing this because there's this whole, like, don't mess with Philly. We throw snowballs at Santa. Um, but I'm just going to come out and say it here because uh, no one else can yell at me or tell me any different right here. I'm all by myself. But uh, I'm just going to come out and say it. I'm a Red Sox fan. And uh, I've been a big Red Sox fan since 2004. Uh, 2004, I was living in Boston. It's one of the greatest baseball se- seasons I have ever seen That is the year the Red Sox broke the curse of the Bambino. They won the World Series for the very first time since 1918. It was Kurt Schilling, Bloody Sock, um, come back with the Yankees, the whole thing. And uh, that was it. You know, I was a believer. And uh, so I love the Red Sox. I'm a big fan. Um, But I just, I want to ask you, uh, I just want to ask you to do me a favor when it comes to the Red Sox. Uh, Number one, uh, just, you know, don't hate. I'm sorry. About that, but but number two, um, I just want to ask you, uh, just do me a favor and and don't don't really ask me 
very much about the Red Sox. Because, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Um, but if you were to ask me, um, who's your favorite player? Uh, I couldn't tell you. Um, if you asked me to name one player on the Boston Red Sox, I couldn't tell you. If you asked me to name any of the coaches, I don't know. Um, is this a good team? Is this a bad team? I have an absolutely no idea. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a fan. Um, but I don't really follow the Red Sox. I don't really know the Red Sox. My question for you today is, um, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Or are you just a fan? Because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you know Jesus. And Jesus knows you. There's a relationship. There's, a, there's an intimacy with Christ. I love what Jesus says um, in John 10, 27. Just, just listen to this. Jesus says, he's talking about his sheep. He's talking about real believers. He says, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus says, and I know them, and they follow me. That's a real Christian. A real Christian hears the voice of Jesus and follows him, and Jesus says, and I know them. There's intimacy. There's personal relationship. There's something real between you and Jesus. And I was just thinking about this today, because a hundred years from now, what? What's going to matter? A hundred years. How old are you going to be in a hundred years? Guys, uh, 140, I'm going to be dead. Okay, a hundred years from now, what's going to matter is not coronavirus. What's going to matter is not what you said or what you did. The only thing that's going to matter in a hundred years from now for every one of us is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that's going to matter. And so I want to ask you to do something real today. I just want to ask you, do you have a real relationship with God through Jesus Christ? I love what Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians 13.5, and it's what I want to ask of all of us today. 2 Corinthians 13.5, Paul says, examine yourself and see whether you're in the faith. Like a day like this, a message like this, Let's examine ourselves. Let's see if we're in the faith. Let's see if we are real. We're a real Christian, a real follower of Jesus. See, it could be today that maybe being a Christian is just something you say. Maybe it's just something you do. And maybe you're not sure today that what you have with God is 100% real. And I want to invite you today to make it real. To trust Jesus, to invite him to your life, and to begin a real relationship with God. And you can do that today. You can do that right now. See, God loves you so much. He came. He died on a cross for your sins, and he rose from the dead. And the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. I'm not Lord. Jesus is Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if that's you today, if you want hope, if you want salvation, um, you, if you want to say, I don't want to be a fake Christian anymore. I want something real. I need forgiveness. I need new life. Then I want to invite you today to confess Jesus is Lord. I am not. I surrender my life to him and to believe in your heart, maybe for the very first time, that God raised Jesus from the dead.
And that God will forgive your sins and give you new life. And I want to ask, Holy Spirit, today, for all those who want to make that choice, that you would come in and make this real. And we will give our lives to you. And if you did that today, you just began a real relationship with God. If you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you surrendered your life to God, you have a brand new relationship with God. You have new life in Christ, and that life starts today, and it lasts forever, and we celebrate that with you. But we always want to remember this. It's not what we say. not just what we do. But it's about knowing Jesus, and it's about Jesus knowing you. That's what's real. Some of you made a decision today to do something real. Some of you are confirmed today. You have something real. And so I want to close our time today. Just something really special. We want to close with a time of communion. What is communion all about? Communion is about relationship. It's about something real with you and Jesus. It's about connecting with God in a very powerful way. Communion is also a picture of what Jesus did for us to make that relationship with God available to us. It's a picture of the death of Jesus and the hope that we have in him. So just to prepare our hearts, guys, this isn't a time to be fake. This is a time to be real with God. The Bible says examine yourself. We want to do that. We want to invite Jesus into this time um, so that we might connect with him at a heart level, at a level of honesty. Um, If you're not ready for this, maybe you're younger, it's okay, just wait. Wait for the moment that this is going to be, but wait for the moment that you are truly ready. All right, so in just a minute, Andrew's going to come up, he's going to do a song. When that happens, that's your cue to go ahead and get the communion elements that you've prepared. But before you do that, I I just want to ask you to hold on and let's prepare our hearts. All right. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, um, he took the bread and he said, this bread is my body that was broken for you. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant just poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin. It's the blood of the covenant. It's a reminder of the price that was paid for our forgiveness of sins and for our salvation. He said, drink this cup. And whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do it in remembrance of me. So I'm going to pray for us now and, and then I'll invite you to go ahead and get those elements and take communion with those who've gathered with you. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much that you gave us your son, Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins and rising to new life. Today we celebrate new life in Christ. We celebrate something real that we have with Jesus that nothing can take away. And I pray in this moment that we would connect with you. I pray that we would confess our sins, Lord. Forgive us for our sins. Forgive us of the wrongs we've done. Thank you that... um, When we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive them. Jesus, we want to grow ever closer to you. 
So I pray that this would be a time of experiencing real closeness with you. Fill our hearts with your love. Don't let us be like that starving baker empty inside. We pause today to feast on the spiritual resources and grace that we have on Jesus Christ. So fill our hearts to the full as we connect with you. Thank you that we can know you and that you know us. In Jesus' name, amen.